the time for episode four of A Better Mind is here. Welcome in. My name is Rob Moreno. You can find me on the social medias at the Robbio, R-O-B-B-E-O. And today I get to be your host on A Better Mind, and I get to interview sports better, VEASAN host, Las Vegas native, Jonathan Von Tobel. And if you think his name sounds like royalty, it's because it is Vegas royalty, baby. And he's definitely the only royalty we'll probably ever have on on this show. But I want to thank him for coming on. He's one of the funniest guys I know. It's going to be a pleasure to get to know him. So let's get it going. Ladies and gentlemen, the man known as JVT, Jonathan Von Tobel. Thank you so much for being here, man. Your name literally sounds like royalty. I just want to point that out. And am I wrong to assume <laughs> that? Uh, I guess you could technically say I am Vegas royalty. I mean, the old school Von Tobel's <laughs> had more of a presence. Uh, we were one of the first hundred families out here to like settle and uh, my grandfather was like in politics and there's a junior high and a community center named after us. So there's like old school Vegas royalty, like a bunch of old people. If I walk into a room that have Vegas connections, they'll be like, oh, but um, put it mildly. Those people are, <laughs> let's say, a few and far between nowadays. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. But so one thing I've learned living in Vegas for like a little close to a decade is no one's technically from here, but you are from here. You were born and raised here, correct? Uh, I was not born. I was raised. So I was actually, so my dad's an IT guy. So when he was, when I was younger and when he, when, you know, when he was younger, uh, he traveled a lot more. So, oh, okay. um, he, you know, he would go a lot of different places. So I was born in Santa Ana, California. Uh, from there, we lived in Texas for about a year, year and a half. Oh, man. Uh, but I've been here since I was two and, you know, going back to the Von Tobel ties. So I consider myself, you know, I, pretty much born and raised, even though I was born in another city. Uh, Von Tobel's got some deep ties to the city and I've been here since I was about two, three years old. So pretty much. For sure. That's awesome. And so what was it like growing up in Las Vegas? I mean, it's obviously not its normal, usual city. It's got its quirks. And so what was it like, you know, just growing up? I mean, you said from two on? Yeah. I mean, it seemed pretty simple. I mean, I've, I haven't grown up anywhere else, right? So I can't compare. But uh, I'll say that I think it was it was pretty normal. And that's, you know, it's one of the things that I always talk to people about, like that are from outside is, you know, and I think because of the growth of sports betting and just technology, right, we can you know, we're all connected to one another now. Um, Vegas has not become like this little, we used to call it when I do local radio, you know, sports Siberia, but Siberia in general, you know, not a lot of people really understand uh, what it was like. And then when you visit or when people visit, they realize like, oh, there's like communities and schools and yeah. all sorts of things. So, you know, there's growing up out here, it's been cool. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's school, yeah, all sorts of different things. I don't live in a, in a casino uh, like many people would assume. Yeah. So, you know, I liked growing up out here and it's funny because it, it was and still is, but very much so when I was growing up. It was a small town. You know, Vegas has, has grown a lot. I, I even have memories of when I was a kid, the area which I live in now, that being all dirt and being the edge of yeah. town and not having anything built out around here. So uh, it was and still is a very small town. It's been cool to see it grow, but it, it, it did have a small town vibe. Like you weren't really going anywhere and escaping from a lot of people. You were running into people you knew, all sorts of stuff. And with the growth, that's become a little bit more rare. But, yeah, it, it actually, I think maybe people will be surprised. It was a small-town kind of vibe for a while. I mean, even when I first got out here like 10 years ago, the, the few people I would start meeting had connections and knew people for, you know, they would they, they told me those stories, right, that they would run into people constantly, constantly, and they gave me that. It's a big, small town. And obviously it's grown over the last 10 years a lot. But, um, no, that's super yes. cool. That's super cool just having that different perspective of, like, the old school Vegas, even though I'm not calling you old or anything, but because I'm older mm -hmm. than you, but it's like 
not that long ago, it was a completely different city than what it is today. Oh, 100%. And, you know, people will, will attribute it to the growth of sports, but, you know, it's a good place to live. Uh, it was very cheap to live here for a while. Now that's starting to grow. I mean, even so, like my first apartment, Rob, I was um, I was paying for two bedrooms and one bath uh, when I was like 21. I was paying 750 bucks a month. You know, like it, it was a nice, <laughs> cheap place to live. Yeah, right. And, and that was up near Red Rock Casino. You know, for anybody oh. who knows that, like, that's a new, at that point, it was a newer part of town, but like, it was a really cheap spot to live. And I think that's why it got so attractive. You know, so many people realized how cheap it was, how small it was, um, the growth of it and all of that sort of stuff. So yeah, the growth has been amazing, not just from a sports and sports betting perspective, but just from the city itself, uh, how much has grown and changed since I've been out here and what I've been able to observe. Uh, I, I find it fascinating to see how much just continues to get added to a city that I, I really love. You know, it's funny. I've, I've gone through those swings where it's like, you know, do I want to move away? Do I want to go? But like the growth here, the potential here is incredible. And, and I've really come around to realizing that, you know, I, I love this city. The city is absolutely fantastic. Oh, yeah. It's I, I, my wife and I fell in love with it like a year and a half in. We were like, this place is it's different. It's different, but it's special in a good way. If, if you find the right things to find. <laughs> but, you know, so yep. obviously you spoke about being in sports radio and you work at Visa now. That's how you and I know each other. We've been there together for quite a while now. And if I remember correctly, you've had quite an assortment of jobs before you got into the sports media world. Yeah. Um, you know, what What are some of those jobs you had before you even entered this space? All right. So uh, let's see. My first job was a courtesy clerk at Albertsons. Um, that was when I was 16. It was the summer of my sophomore year, my sophomore to junior year. Uh, no, no, no. My freshman to sophomore year. So, yeah. So I worked at Albertsons. I was the guy that bagged groceries and stuff like that. I stopped working after a while, you know, did school. And then when I really started to pick up jobs, I was uh, a bounce house delivery guy. So, you know, those inflatable bounce houses, uh, like party <laughs> favors, things like that. Yep. I delivered those all around town for a while. Uh, that was a cool job. That was actually one of the coolest. I will still to this day, uh, Matt Paluzzi, shout out. He's still one of the coolest bosses I, I've ever had. Uh, the guy was absolutely fantastic. Cool. But that was a cool job. Um, and then from there, it got a little dicey, man. Um, I, was a, <laughs> I was a telemarketer or like a political survey guy for a while. Oh, wow. That job sucked. <laughs> yeah, dude. And I'll tell you, I always tell people this story. It, it was actually, it was before I started going back to school. Um, Cause right out of high school, you know, I did go to UNLV, uh, but then I kind of stopped, worked for a little bit um, and tried to figure out what I wanted to do. And when I was working there, I'll never forget. There was a, there was a very, there an older man. And then I want to say first, there's nothing wrong. You make a living, you make a living. You know what I mean? There's nothing totally. wrong with working where you got to work. Um, but the way it worked was, if you like, you had to do a certain amount of surveys, and if you didn't miss, uh, the, the, if you didn't hit the mark, then you got cut for the day. And so I remember, you know, calling people. You know how it is. Like you call people to answer, they would hang up on you. Oh yeah. And somebody hung up on me, and I kind of just got a little. I was just like, man, this sucks. And this guy <laughs> leans over, and he, and he, and like I said, he's older. He's worked there for a long time. He's like, don't worry, kid. I'll show you the ropes. You can be as good as me one day. And I looked at him. I was like, nah. <laughs> Like, nah, <laughs> like, nah. no, I don't want to be as good as you one day, man. Like, I don't want to be here. This sucks. Um, and so yeah. then I went back to school and, and through, through school, I worked at Starbucks um, for about two and a half, three years, transferred up. I was a banquet porter for a while. That's the guy that upstairs in the casino sets everything up, all the tables and chairs and whatnot. And, um, and then from there, I got into radio. Uh, during my early years in radio, I worked overnights at Targets uh, to make ends meet. Oh, heck yeah. And then uh, eventually transitioned into full-time radio and media. So it's been quite the list of jobs that I have had over the course of my life, for sure. <laughs> it's amazing. So you've always been drawn to the red polo, it seems, of the target yeah, life. Yes, 100%. <laughs> uh, although I will say, um, you know, when you when you got to wake up at like 1 a.m. and get to target at 2 a.m. and, 
You know, you got to stock shelves until 10, and then you, you, you go straight to producing an afternoon drive show. Uh, that Those were like the true dog days of like, man, do I really want to do this? Because this sucks. Like, yeah. that, those are like 12-hour days, not that much sleep, but – um, yeah, it's, it was, uh, it was quite the grind, but red was my favorite color for a while, but then post tar- target, uh, it, it definitely fell off. I mean, I, I remember those similar grind days when I first got here to Vegas and first started working in, uh, TV and sports and stuff like that. And I would kind of opposite, but I would bartend all night to pretty much wake yep. up super early in the morning to help do a show and things like that. And then go straight from there to a bartending shift. So it's a grind and it, you question, you know, is this going to be worth it? Yes. But you know, here we are. And I mean, what, what got you into sports betting? You know, obviously I think people probably would assume like, oh, well you're from Vegas. That's probably what hooked you. But I mean, was there anything that stood out when you were younger than like, when did you start getting into the sports betting? Uh, I, actually, I really started to get into it like big time when I, when I was actually working at Starbucks. So uh, for anybody who's not familiar with it is um, I worked at the Starbucks at Red Rock Casino. And if you've ever been to Red Rock Casino, I worked at the Starbucks that was right across from the sports book. So wow. I was already a big sports guy. I, I had bet here and there. Um, but being right across from the sports book, it, it really kind of uh, really got – I got drawn into it a lot. And we would get a lot of the regular sports bettors that would come in from the book. We would get a lot of horse racing guys, get a lot of bettors, but they'd come in, get their coffees before going out. And, and I talked to a lot of them, picked their brain on a lot of stuff, um, go in there and place bets myself at a legal age. And <laughs> – um, and, and I really, you know, I really got drawn into it. Right. And I look a little bit older, so it worked. Um, <laughs> so that's when I really actually kind of got started into it. You know, I, I knew what it was, obviously, growing up out here. I knew how it all worked. Uh, but in terms of, like, really betting somewhat regularly and, and starting to really fall in love with it, it was about when I was about, uh, like, 19, uh, 18, when I really started to really get into it and really start to enjoy it from a betting perspective. And, of course, it started with, like, parlays, right, to fill out the bubbles and, and do all yeah. sorts of stuff. and. I remember my first big hit was a it was like a five team run line parlay, <laughs> you know, during a baseball season. Um, so that's when I really started to get into it. When I started working at Starbucks, that's when I really started to get into sports betting. That's cool. And so, what what were those early things that started like you you started not- noticing right like hey this is actually something yep. I understand differently than others. You know, I know I think a lot of people, especially in today's world of sports betting, where it's really grown and blown up, like people think sports betting is just you know firing off things you know when for you living in vegas and growing in it you know i i definitely i respect you as a better a lot because i think you're younger but you have that old school like handicapper view of the sports betting world and so what what were those things you started to notice young that you were like you know what this is something i think i'm good at this is something i think i can actually treat as something serious yeah, I think for, for it first started like you know all those parlays that you would put together. Um, there, there were there was a lot of like three out of fours or four out of fives, right? And and looking at it and going, man, I'm barely missing on some of these, and and kind of realizing like you know if you just bet on like each of these as opposed to trying to go for every one of them, uh, you're going to be winning money. Like you're going to be coming out on top. And that's when it really kind of started because I, I would keep track and I would, you know, try to at least ma- not manage because, you know, I was an 18 year old that was just working at Starbucks. But totally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I was I would at least keep track of what I was doing. And, and from there, when I started to realize, like, you know, you're pretty close, then I, I evolved from that to. All right, let's start to bet individual games. And, you know, it was during baseball season. So I would start to bet baseball like every single day. Um, tail end of college basketball season, you know, betting on uh, individual games, specifically UNLV basketball, right? Because I followed UNLV basketball uh, very deeply before I would, I eventually would cover the team. 
And that's where I kind of started to evolve is realizing like, hey, you know, you're kind of throwing money down the drain with some of these parlays because they're not hitting at a really high rate, but you are hitting quite a few of these individually. If you just spread these out and really start to understand it, then I think you're going to start to have some success. And and that wasn't perfect. You know, I remember one of my biggest learning moments, it was, if you remember the Oklahoma City Thunder um, Miami Heat series, right? Where LeBron James versus the Thunder, oh, yeah. the first time the Thunder got there. And the Thunder ended up winning the first game. They were up one nothing in the series. And so I remember I walked up to the book and I go, hi, I'd like to bet the Thunder to win the series. And I put down 30 bucks. And the guy looks <laughs> at me, he goes, they're minus 300. And I go, and I look up at the board, and I kind of do the math a little bit. I'm like, oh, I'm like, yeah, huh? All right, never mind. And so I take the money back, and, and you know, it's one of those things where it real, like that's where it hit me. It's like, okay, there's odds attached to this. There's prices that you're right. paying. There's doing yeah. stuff like that. Um, and by the way, the Thunder would go on to lose that series. So it was a very good thing that I didn't just, so, oh, hey. no, no, just take it. I want to win, you know, 10 bucks or whatever it is. Um, and so that was one of the big learning moments. So th those things kind of came together. It was, you know, learning that, hey, you're doing pretty good on the parlays, but, you know, start to bet those individually, realizing that these odds here, that you pay prices, and it kind of grew from there. That's awesome. No, I love that because that's something I learned actually pretty early on when I got to Vegas and I started actually getting into sports betting a little bit more. You know, UFC is my sport of preference, but I would do the same thing. Yeah. Parlay a bunch of dudes, always hitting four or five, three or five, and it's like you start realizing, you do the math, like you said, you, you attach the odds, and you're like, if I just spread these out, wow, I would, I would actually be winning. <laughs> right. And so speaking of the NBA, you're Mr. NBA over at Visa, and obviously, you know, you, you were the first guy to start just loving the NBA over at Visa and started really digging into it. Um, you became, you know, senior analyst. You know, what drew you to the NBA and from a betting perspective? I mean, it sounds like you were always a fan of basketball, but I know you're a fan of multiple sports. But what drew you to the NBA to be like, this is the sport I'm going to figure out and really find an edge in? Uh, well, to be quite honest with you, is because not many people were doing it. So one of the things that, like, selfishly, right, you know, in, and this is what I always tell people, right, is somebody who started through media as opposed to, right, we have so many people on the network who were betters and then transitioned into media. Right. I'm somebody that went to school for journalism and media uh, and then got into, you know, sports betting in a, in a very big way. So I kind of realized, like, as somebody who worked the media, like, this is a niche that you can carve out or probably grow, right? Because there weren't that many people in the space. And I remember one of my first motivations was, um, do you know what the, the, the Blue Ribbon book is or the Blue Ribbon yearbook is in college no. basketball? So the Blue Ribbon book, for anybody who's listening, um, it is a preseason guide for college basketball. And it previews every single team in college basketball. And it, and it, and it, um, it uses a lot of media members from around the country, and it writes up every single preview for every single college basketball team before the season begins. You get quotes from players, all sorts of stuff. But it's, it's one of the most comprehensive preseason college basketball guides that you can get. And I remember looking at that and thinking, like, you know, there's there's not that many people who do stuff like that for the NBA. Like, you know, you have your like your Lindys and your Athlons and things like that, mm -hmm. but it's all kind yeah. of like the same generic stuff. But there's not really one that sticks out. And the other thing that really, really like caught on with me, I am somebody who likes a challenge. And when you talk to people, all you would hear is, "Oh, the NBA is impossible. The NBA is impossible. You can't do it. Regular yeah. season's too hard." And I'm kind of one of those guys that likes to go like all right, like, let's really find out if that's kind of that impossible, <laughs> yeah, right? Let's really it. try let's to, go. like, <laughs> nail this thing down uh, and really dive into it. And so that was, for me, why I really started getting the NBA. Like you said, like, I like basketball, love college basketball. I grew up out here in Las Vegas, so, like, I was a college <laughs> basketball guy first, right? UNLV, yeah, um, getting Rebels. into that. Yep, they were running Rebels, um, especially around my, like, late teens. Like, they were actually really good. They had upset North Carolina. They were really awesome. Um, 
So I, I loved basketball because of UNLV, but from an NBA perspective, it, I took it on as more of a challenge of like, you know, so many people tell me that you can't do this. Let's see if it really can't. And, and from there, it really started to grow. And, you know, you had some success and, and people really liked the coverage of the way that I would cover the NBA. And from there, I really kind of just like dug into it, which was like, hey, there, there is something that I can do here. Um, and I accepted the challenge and ultimately led me to where I'm at here today, which is, you know, writing these articles every day and, and helping out with the coverage on the NBA. And, and I, I will say, I guess they patting myself on the back a little bit here. I think really driving forward for Visa and having guys who cover sports individually. I think it was one of the really important things that I thought we lacked, uh, yeah. which was specialists on, on certain sports and having guys who, you know, covered like they see at all the networks, right? You have an NBA guy, you have a college basketball guy, you have a football guy and, and really kind of driving that forward. And, and that's, that's one of the main reasons why I really got into it. And I, I love it. I've loved seeing your, your progression into the, the betting, the NBA. Cause if you just, you, you're right. When, when Beeson first started, there wasn't any specific guy for any sport, really. And so it was cool to just have one of the sports just, boom, stick out suddenly, and you stuck out because of it. And so that's super awesome. And I think this season, and actually going back to the football season too, you started tackling modeling. And I think yeah. that was different. And, I mean, I, I can tell now that you said, like, you like a challenge because that's not something easy to just decide one day <laughs> to do. Yeah. And so, like, what, what motivated to start tackling the NBA and the NFL via a sports modeling aspect. So I, I think, so I have a lot of weaknesses as a person, but I think one of my strengths is, is I, I am drawn to like learning and growing, right? I'm, I'm really drawn to trying new things and, and, and kind of educating myself on a lot of stuff. And when I'm, you know, when I'm doing something, if I'm asked to do it, like, yeah, I, I do actually, and I think it ties into my work background, right? All those jobs, you know, I'm, I'm, I've always called myself like a worker. Like I like to do things. I like to work. And if I'm given a job, I will do it for you. And so it's one of those things that here as somebody who covers sports betting, I, I think it's almost my duty to at least try out other things, right? There's so many different ways you cover and, and bet sports. There mm -hmm. is the classic handicapper. That's just like, Hey, third game in four nights, you know, sons in the seventh house kind of deal, you know, favorites are seven and zero in this situation, right? Those guys. And then there's like the quants and the modelers and all those other guys who have really come around and shaped the market. And so for me, it was just one of those where like, well, this is a really big part of this community. Let's just see what it's like. Let's just try this out. And it's funny because there, there's a lot of people who, who see that and go, you'll never be able to do it. You stop trying. And for me, it's like, I'm not trying to become one of those guys. I'm trying to experience what they experience so you can really cover this from all angles and see what yeah. this sort of lifestyle is like and see what modeling is like. And it, it was more of an experiment than anything else to try to see like, wow, what these guys do is really impressive. And it's a challenge in trying to learn all that kind of stuff. So that's what really drove me to it. It's, again, kind of drawing in from the media background. You know, when you cover things, you want to cover things from all angles, right? There, there's that journalism aspect to it where you should get both sides. And for me, that was kind of it, which was we, we've covered so much of the old school handicapping process but there's not that many guys who cover the background of modeling and what that's like. And that was really the strong motivator. It's not that I thought it was going to be one of those guys. I just wanted to see and to show everybody like, you know, at the end of the day, Rob, all those guys were just like you and me at one point. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they, they, they were like, Hey, let's start a model. I, I have a background in this and let me try to put it here and do all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, and that was my other aspect was I just kind of wanted to show like, you know, if you, if you really try, you can start. Cause that's always the hardest part is starting. And once you get started, then you can perfect it and get a lot better. And that, those were kind of my motivating factors behind doing that. That's so cool. I love it. And, you know, obviously that kind of motivated me because I was always curious about the the modeling and the, you know, the data aspect from sports. And especially the UFC is a little newer in that 
arena, but I knew it existed. Yeah. I knew it was starting to come out. Not a lot of data, out. right? Yeah, right. And the UFC just right. recently started. You know, that's kind of the tricky part is if a guy hasn't fought in the UFC, he does have, he has no data to reflect that. So these guys mm -hmm. come in new, fresh, whatever. There's not a lot to reflect on. But, you know, I think seeing you just kind of tackle it, I was like, okay. And I know, you know, we've had guys on uh, First Strike, Reed Koo, and he was a big data guy. And I was like, okay, it's possible, right? I'm like, I kind of want to experience that as well. I want to know. I know how to watch a fight and see what I should look for. But what does it look like when you put data against data in a different sport? So, no, I respect a ton that you you kind of just tackled it out of nowhere, and that was great. <laughs> and what were the results yeah, like for both your NFL and NBA? Um, well, the NFL one was it's a, it was a loser. If you're talking about ATS, it was five five hundred. <laughs> I think it ended up I think it ended up like fifty six fifty six and three or something sure. like that. So we do for your audience too. Uh, what we did was uh, Mitch Moss and I split, and I'll always be thankful for Mitch because he he believed in it for a while too. But um, uh, we 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 had a super contest entry, so the five mm -hmm. biggest edges that the model would spit out, we would use for the super contest. So we ended up a flat five hundred there. So again, if you're betting, you know, ATS wise, you were down. Right. Uh, and for the NBA model, I will be frank. Uh, it started out as a loser, and then I just stopped because oh. <laughs> I will say the well because the so this is the other interesting aspect of it. So from the NFL modeling aspect. To do a team-based model with a lot of influence when it comes to the quarterback, there were a lot of challenges there. But because the sport was week to week and you had time in between to get that done, like that, that felt from a from a uh, work standpoint, that was a little bit easier to take care of. For the NBA, I had built a player model, and that thing takes so much maintenance and so many things to do yes. every single day. And it was literally every player in the NBA had a point value – and because of questionables and, and outs and doubtfuls and all sorts of things, it's constantly plugging and replacing and doing all those things. Uh, rookies who are, you know, obviously who are guys who were rookies the year before, you have to adjust their, their minutes for this year. And there was, so much, there was so much maintenance that went into this. It was like, dude, with my other duties, I, it's just something I cannot do. And it was one of those things that, like, this is part of the challenge. Like, this is what makes guys who model the NBA the way that they do absolutely incredible because that's insane it goes there's so much maintenance and work that goes into player-based models like that i have no idea how you would do it if you had any other like obligations to do and that <laughs> was a challenge that one in a very very big way <laughs> right yeah dude it was tough man it was tough yeah i um i was on uh dave ross's bet on chicago a, a while back and it was right around the start of the nba season when you were getting going and that was actually something i brought up when he asked me about my ufc model I was like, you know, so much respect to JVT because, man, a player-based model, I was like, because same thing, UFC, it's week to week. So fights happen yep. on Saturday. I got Monday through Friday to pretty much collect whatever data I have for the next fight, if not maybe even two weeks when there's a break. I was like, NBA, man, it's a grind day to day. And on top of that, because of questionables and statuses and nowadays, <laughs> you don't know who's playing bef until 10 minutes before the game or until the game starts. And so what, you know, nowadays – you know, maybe now that the model's kind of stopped, but, you know, what's your betting process day-to-day? -day? Like, what's your, what's your grind, what's that grind look like for you analyzing games day-to-day? -day? So, I, it, it starts with, you know, you wake up every morning, um, first thing you do is check injury reports to see who's going to be questionable and who's not. Um, it, for the NBA, it's the first and, like, first and last thing you're doing every single time. <laughs> yeah. And I do have, I, you know, I have power ratings that I, that have made, you know, myself, uh, where I know I rank these teams, and I have a judge of, of how, uh, like, what I assign for, you know, some of the key players, like, you know, 
like a Trey Mann for the Charlotte Hornets, who's, you know, a guy who's playing right now and starting for the Hornets because everybody else is hurt. I don't have a numerical value for them, and generally those guys aren't going to play. Uh, but for the about, about the top 50 guys in the NBA, I have a general point value that I think that they're worth, that, that if they're not going to play, then I'll subtract that from the point spread. But it starts every morning just checking that out and, and checking the schedule too in terms of the NBA. It's one of the biggest things that I've come around on a lot this year. You know, the last few years I was so heavy on – um, matchups and numbers that I would kind of poo-poo certain things like three games or four nights or, or situations like that. And one of my big wake-up calls was last year near the end of the year, it was the the Celtics were playing the Bucks, and the Bucks were playing their fifth game in seven nights. We're on the second leg of a back-to-back, and the Celtics went in there. And I bet the Celtics, I bet the Bucks because the number was off. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. The Celtics destroyed them. It was like by <laughs> 55 points. And, and and I realized I was like, that was all situation. That was all spot. And I ignored that because the number wasn't right. And that was one of my big thoughts. So transitioning to this year, outside of injuries, outside of all of that, I usually look ahead to circle spots like, okay, hey, this is a third game of four nights for this team. This is a five game and seven nights for this team. This is a six game and nine nights for this team. And make sure I factor those in. So injury report schedule looking at my power ratings in comparison with the market and, and and trying to whittle that down to find some edges if i have any that's awesome no uh, i mean i think it, it that's kind of what something i want to get out of doing this podcast is i think you know i have buddies in other states who are starting to get sports betting in their states and you know they're they're curious about it but they think it's just opening their app once and firing away and that's yeah. how they're going to learn how to sports bet and it's like i try to describe to them i'm like if you if you if you're going to do this series, like it's actually actually takes some work on the back end <laughs> to know what you're sure. what you're looking at day to day. Um, and so what now that you've been sports betting a long time, and especially a sport like the NBA, day to day, it's constant grind. What keeps you chasing that sweat? <laughs> what keeps you chasing just the numbers? What keeps you chasing not just wins, but like you said, the challenge of figuring new edges out? Yeah. Um... So I guess I guess there is like kind of an arrogance to it where you know, and I think it, it ties into everything we've already talked about with myself. Like you know, I, I like to work, and and when I'm given something, I, I like to kind of push forward. Um, like I do. This is going to sound corny, but like I, I want to be good at this. You know, I yeah. want to be I want to be good. I want to be um, uh, somebody who is like somewhat respected in, in doing this and and whatnot. And there isn't there's an ego thing to it where it's like there is a motivation that you know I want to be at some point a respected media member who covers the national basketball association from this standpoint or just any sport in general. And so that's what kind of keeps me going is like, I have this motivation to kind of just always be better, right? Like I just, I want to get better at this. I want to be smarter. Uh, I want to grow. I want to evolve. Um, you know, I, I went to, you know, I don't know if I've told you this before at all, but you know, I went back to, I went back to school to get my bachelor's degree. So I have an associates in journalism, I went back because I want to get a minor in statistics. Oh, like nice. I want to learn. I, I want to learn more about math and, oh, and that side of it. There's so, yeah, yeah. So there's like so many guys who have a math background. I'm like, all right, cool. Let me go get a math background. Let me let me start to study these things. Let's go do this. And so that's kind of my driving factor. I've always kind of been one of those guys that once I latch onto something, like, oh no, I want to be good at this. Like I'm not just going to come in here and half-ass this thing. Like I, I want to I want to be considered amongst some of the best that are doing this thing. And so if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it for real. So I think that's probably the motivation. And then outside of the obvious stuff, you know, like. Uh, I, I love my family. I got two boys. I got my wife. Uh, and if I'm good at what I do, then I'm always going to have a job and I'm always going to be able to take care of them. Um, so those are like some of the other like obvious ones, taking care of your family. 
Uh, yeah. But the ego inside of me, like I really do <laughs> want to be good at this. I want to be recognized as good at this. And so I'm going to keep doing what I need to do to to achieve that goal. And it's a weird goal because you're never really going to get there, right? Like if, you're keep, if you keep going, you're never really going to reach that point. So, uh, but that's what I think keeps me going. Oh, 100%. I mean, I think for people like you who are just constantly looking for a challenge to become better, I mean, I don't think there's ever a finish line, really. Like you just, especially mm-hmm. in, when, when you're inapplicable to sports, like you're always going to chase it, you know? And I think that's, that's a good thing. And something yep. I want to learn from you and, and just ask you is, you know, how do you, something I've tried to get better is to not overreact to wins and losses, uh, obviously losses more importantly, but also wins, you know, what, how do you deal with just not overreacting to certain situations and either realizing, you know what, I'm approaching this correctly or like, maybe let me address what's going on. Yeah, I, th- I think it, it, that's been one of the kind of the early challenges for me. I think I've gotten pretty good at it in kind of comp- compartmentalizing like every single result is just that. It's just a result. Um, and I think that's, that's uh, you know, I've learned from a lot of really smart people. You know, I always give credit. Uh, I don't know if you I don't know if you were around when Jeff Vogel used to work for us at VEASAN, uh, but Jeff is awesome. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff Vogel. Uh, he's one of like the primary people that I, I really started to to learn a lot from when it came to you know, sports betting and probabilities and understanding that events are just that they're events. And, you know, sometimes they're tied to one another, but for the most part, you got to view them individually because if you overreact, then you're not really seeing the nuance of things. And so I think that's been kind of one of the things that I've really, I think improved on a bit. Now I, I am, um, that does happen to a fault, right? Because there's sometimes like, I don't know, nothing like, you know, let's just keep kind of pushing away here and grinding, whatever it is. But that also does help you out a lot when it comes to, you know, certain aspects and, I think in the NBA, especially right when you're talking about factoring in all of these other things, when it comes to injuries and scheduling and whatnot, not every result is the same and you don't want to overreact to that because when you head in one direction too far, then of course it swings right back and and you're going to get, end up getting screwed. So I think that's the, you know, the way I've dealt it is I think you got burned a bunch, right? You know, a lot of us have been when you've overreacted to something, you get burned because you're like, man, why did I do that? Like that was clearly there. (laughs) I don't know what was happening. I overreacted the last game. And that was really, that's a really good learning factor, but also just learning from people who are smarter than me and, and, you know, listening to them when they tell you certain things. And that was one of the big things that I learned from a lot of people around the network. Yeah, no. And I think that's kind of a selfish reason, selfish reason why I started this podcast is to learn from other people and just their approach yeah. and their, you know, their, their mindset around sports betting. Cause you're right. It's, Dude. It, it changes all the time, man. I'll tell you this. I, I tell this to, to anybody who really asked me, the, the three words that have helped me out the most, like, to this point are I don't know. It, it, they're the three best words that you can do because I'd rather tell somebody I don't know than pretend that I do and get caught in a position where right, you, you, get, you, know, you get screwed over. And when you say I don't know, then you can learn and then you can add to your knowledge and you can grow from that. When, when you pretend like you know everything, well, then all of a sudden you're going to refuse to grow. You're going to refuse to learn because you're pretending like you know everything. And that's just not how some of the most successful people have gotten to the places where they've been. So I'm with you. Like, that's my three favorite words. I never am afraid to say, I don't know. Like, tell me, show me, you know, as long as you follow up, I don't know, with a willingness to learn, I think you're always going to be in the right spot. Totally. I love that because my three favorite words have been, I need help. Right. Very similar. It's just like, I don't know what I'm doing. I need help. (laughs) And I think that that's kind of, as you mentioned, like, there's an ego side to what we do because we want to get so much better, but that's also checking our ego and just being like, Hey, help me out. <laughs> I want to learn. <laughs> yeah. So that's super cool. And of course, man. Um, one of the last things I want to ask you is you mentioned it, 
you're a family man. You got a wife, two kids. You know, what's what's that like being a sports better? You know, does, does she understand some of the the nuances and sweating a fourth quarter? <laughs> <laughs> so, yes and no. It's actually funny you ask that. So, um, going into the Super Bowl, I had a, a Kansas City Chiefs future uh, at about like 7-1 to one to win the Super Bowl. And so, I was explaining to my wife, like, hey, um, I'm going to take some money and I'm going to put this – um, on the 49ers so I can hedge and you know it's it's a future so it's, it's a little bit larger than than what we usually do and she kind of right. looked at me <laughs> she's like well what do you mean and I was like I explained to her I'm like okay what we're doing is hedging like like we have this ticket to win this and I'm going to put this on the other side to guarantee that we're going to get something out of this and so I was kind of like she she looked at me and at the end she goes look I trust you you know what you're doing she didn't really understand it by the end of it but she was just like I trust you she's like I, you're saying we're not going to lose any money then I trust you about it but like she, like she's totally understanding, and and I think I've done a good spot too. And you know, I, I don't bet beyond my means or anything like that. You know, it's not anything that it put my family in danger um, or anything. And I, and I think we have. It's the good part about having a good partner in life too is just having somebody who understands what you're doing and and supports you in what you're doing too. And and she is. I always say she's like one of my biggest supporters uh, that I've got. I mean, shoot, man, you see me wearing this red shirt. Part of the reason I wore this red shirt is because. Because now I'm on five days a week. She's like, you need to go get new shirts. You need to go do this. You need to go. So that extends to the sports betting stuff, too. You know, she she understands it. She knows. And, you know, the kids, it's funny. My oldest, who is uh, five, um, he'll ask me when we're sitting there, wow, like, who are you rooting five. for today? That's crazy. Yeah, he, yeah. right? Yeah. You've been around for a while. You know when I went on paternity <laughs> yep. leave, I think, for the first time. So, yeah, he's five. He turned six in August. How about that? Huh? It's, it's time to go by like crazy. Yeah. Um, but he'll ask me, you know, when we're sitting watching basketball or something, like, hey, who are we rooting for today? <laughs> so he's kind <laughs> of understanding awesome. that the loyalties are, are you know, fluctuate yeah. on a day-to-day basis. We don't have so a team. It's, it's cool. It just depends day-to-day. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, so it's it's cool, though. It's cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, my wife recently, uh, you know, she knew I, I always sports bet here and there. But when I started getting into the um, analytical part and modeling stuff of the UFC, you know, she saw me, you know, hunkering over a laptop on some spreadsheets and stuff. And she got curious. Yep. And now she's like the biggest fan of whatever my model's doing every week. And she's asking like, Ooh, how many, how many fights you got this week? You know? So it's like you said, yep. having a partner that just is hundred percent by your side is game changer in, in any aspect of life, but obviously in, in the world we live in too. Um, it, so it also helps that you win. So like uh, there was a, <laughs> there was a year in the super contest that I had um, that I was in the running for $50,000 for one of the mini contests for one of the six week contests. And uh, ultimately, the it was there was it was a, it was a brutal beat, but I ended up getting a little bit out of it, but not anywhere close to fifty thousand dollars. I tell you that, uh, but it helps when you're successful too, so you can actually show like, see, like it's working. So <laughs> yeah, how about a date night? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Well, thank you, John, for doing this. Um, this is where I let you just plug and say whatever you want. Where can people find you? Where can they watch you? Read you? What can they do? Uh, v Sin Man Vegas Stats and Information Network. I'm now uh, proudly co-host Monday through Friday uh, for Visa and Primetime, so check that out, 3 p.m. Pacific every day. Uh, and then the articles are up on the website of Visa.com. I write up every NBA game every single day, uh, Sunday through Sunday. So that'll be like that uh, through the NBA postseason, so make sure you check out that work. And I help out a lot of other stuff, too. I'll be helping out with college basketball when we have our conference previews and all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, just Visa.com and uh, check out the Vegas Stats and Information Network. And you are also on Twitter at MeJVT. Easy to remember. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. At <laughs> me, JVT, on every social media platform. So, yeah, so just check me out there. You can see pictures of your cute kids on Instagram if you need to. <laughs> That's right. So my last question to you is, if you weren't in sports betting because you, ha- you have such an array of talents, what would you be doing? Would you be 
a, uh-huh. a like master barista or would you find yourself being a comedian? Because I find you one of the funnier guys at least. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. You know what's funny? Um, when I was like in fifth grade, fourth grade, I told my dad I want to be a stand-up comedian. He told me no. <laughs> uh, so I, I did not pursue that. Although I do have a couple of bits that I have locked away in my brain that if there's ever, if I ever get brave enough at an open mic night, I would try it. Um, <laughs> actually, so one of my one of my low key passions that that I really enjoy that if I wasn't in sports or sports betting that I'd really pursue is cooking. Uh, I really like Ooh. to cook a lot. Okay, and, you know, nice. I'm the cook at home. Uh, yeah, I'm our, I'm our lead chef at home. Uh, so my wife is kind of taking up the mantle a little bit now, especially since I'm Monday through Friday. She's gonna have to. But yeah, I, I really enjoy cooking a lot. I like to experiment in the kitchen. I have cookbooks that I try and all sorts of stuff. So if, if I was not pursuing this. Uh, I would definitely be pursuing a, a life as a chef because I, I very much enjoy the, the world of cooking and everything that it brings. So, yeah. Very cool, man. Very cool. You just, you love a challenge. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's well, what th- it is. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for doing this, John. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. One last time, I want to say thank you to JVT. You can find him on all social media at me, JVT. You can find me, Rob Moreno, your host, at the Robio. Thank you once again for checking the show out. And please, rate subscribe like review message me let me know you did that because i will appreciate it i will send you one of these little heart emojis and i appreciate it a ton so thank you for checking out episode four we'll be back